Hey there, everyone. It's Wednesday, which means time for another episode of <laughs> our favorite podcast, <laughs> Rapid Song Encounters. We're here, as usual, on a Thursday, coming to you from our SoCal Desert state-of-the-art studio, which means this week uh, I'm basically in the kitchen. So, uh, But we're ready to roll. Got a great episode for you, 31. Um, we're going to call this one GV Plays GV. Uh, and you'll uh, understand uh, as soon as uh, we start the segment one. Uh, I'm your host, Gene Vincent, as usual. And um, hey, it's a beautiful day. Beautiful time to be alive, and uh, what more could you ask for? So uh, let's kick this thing off. Why hesitate? Why wait? And start off with uh, the namesake of uh, the episode. Way back in 1956. We'll catch you on the other end.
herself and then there she was Like double cherry pie, yet there she was Like disco superfly I smell sex and candy here Who's that lounging in my chair? Who's that casting devious stares in my direction? Mama, this surely is a dream, yeah Yeah, mama, this surely is a dream, dig it
All right, there you have segment one. Five fantastic tunes to start off the show, spanning six decades. Now, that's random, and that's what we do here. But, uh, hey, should it be that way? Who knows? In any case, let's go back to the beginning. We started off with the namesake of the episode and the person I share a name with, so makes it extra special, Gene Vincent and his Blue Caps. Uh, from their, it's a, it's a non-album single from 1956, Bebop Balula, his big, big hit. Um, born Vincent Eugene Craddock, so he kind of built Gene Vincent out of that. He's one of the early, early pioneers of the rockabilly sound. Uh, he also goes by the name of, <laughs> of the Screaming End. So uh, not sure how I got that uh, moniker, but uh, the Screaming End, Gene Vincent. He had uh, planned to have a career in uh, the Navy, but uh, he was injured in a mo- motorcycle accident uh, from the money he got from re-enlisting. Uh, and he nearly lost his leg. So uh, because of that, uh, they couldn't keep him in the Navy. They discharged him, uh, and which turned him onto the music scene. He uh, got involved in a local Virginia music scene and formed his band, the Blue Caps. Blue Caps is a Navy term, by the way, uh, for the enlisted men. So that's where he came up with that, uh, that uh, moniker for the, the backing band. Um, this song is not on his first LP, and in fact was originally a B-side to his first single, Woman Love. I think they flip-flopped that later on in later releases. Uh, He actually only had three charting hits in the U.S., but saw a lot more popularity overseas, especially in the U.K., where he had eight hits. Um, Gene passed away at the age of 36 from a ruptured ulcer and heart heart failure. Uh, You know, things just worked out for him, you know, Fortunately, uh, he wasn't able to fulfill his Navy career uh, and uh, had, because of that injury. But because of that, he fell into the music business. Record companies at the time were looking for, uh, you know, folks that could emulate uh, Elvis Presley. And he just happened to be started a rockabilly band at the same time, and everything fell into place for him. So there you have it. Gene Vincent and Bebopalula. After that... We went to L.A. and uh, Sparks, uh, I Wish I Looked a Little Better, from their 1983 LP, their 12th LP in 83, called In Outer Space. Uh, it's the brothers, Ron and Russell Mayo. Uh, you know, they've been around forever. Everybody should know at least one or two Sparks songs. Uh, you know, uh, Cool Places, uh, you know, I Predict, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, they're they're known for their quirky quirky approach to songwriting, and their stage presence. You know, uh, Russell is the hyper energetic, uh, jump around, dance around uh, presence on stage, where Ron uh, sits there, plays the keyboards, and doesn't smile the whole time. He's got just a, a smirk on his face. So they're kind of, you know, freaking frack as it comes to uh, performing on uh, performing live. Uh, their first recordings were under the name Urban Renewal Project uh, in 1967, but those were never released other than one song that I think came out in a subsequent 
uh, Best Of or something like that. Um, they changed their name uh, from <laughs> Urban Renewal Project to Half Nelson after their wrestling hold. And uh, they were noticed uh, in a, performing in a club one night by Todd Rundgren, who we've spoken about a few times in different episodes in the podcast. And uh, Todd uh, liked them so much, he, uh, he worked and uh, helped them get a record deal. Uh, they finally changed their name to Sparks in 1972 and started to develop a cult following over in the UK. They went and spent some time in the UK and uh, things started to pick up for them. Uh, this particular album, uh, In Outer Space, is one of, if not their most successful. Uh, it included their, their big hit, as I mentioned, Cool Places with Jane Wheedland uh, of the Go-Go's. Uh, Jane was a huge fan of Sparks. Uh, she even uh, ran her own Sparks fan club at one point in time. Uh, the guys have released uh, like 25 LPs in just over 50 years recording, including uh, their latest release, uh, last just last year, called The Girl Is Crying In Her Latte. So, uh, you know, check them out. Sparks, love these guys, uh, especially their early, early stuff, uh, early, mid, late, uh, early 80s, mid, you know, the 80s in particular. Uh, just love, the, love their sound and their quirkiness. After that, uh, we heard Marcy Playground and their song Sex and Candy from their 1997 uh, album, debut album of the same name, Marcy Playground. They're, uh, they're from Minnesota originally, but I think uh, they kind of migrated to New York City. That was where they, they started uh, recording. They formed in 1995, <clears throat> and the group name is a reference to uh, the Marcy Open Grade School in Minnesota, where frontman of the band John Wozniak uh, attended school. Uh, the song's title, Sex and Candy, came from uh, you know, uh, an incident where he and his girlfriend were having sex in her dorm room and her roommate or another, another student walked in on him. And uh, as she did, she said, the room smells like sex and candy. So that stuck with him. And he ended up <clears throat> writing a song around it within like a, an hour or two down the road. But uh, he always kept that, uh, that phrase uh, and ended up combining it when he wrote the song with, you know, just a lot of weird other references. It's, it's just like, you know, another again, like the like Sparts, it's, it's a quirky little song with disco references and a grunge influence, and, you know, it didn't really think it would be anything other than a, a quirky little song and not a hit that it, that it ended up being. The, the group itself, uh, their last new music came out in 2012, and they last toured... Uh, like four or five years ago, uh, 2018 or so. And they've, they've talked about launching another tour, but um, nothing about new music. So uh, we'll see if uh, Marcy Playground, uh, you know, uh, comes out with something new in the, in the near future. If not, you know, uh, they'll be touring around, so check, check them out. After that, we went to Atlanta and Deer Hunter, their song Never Stops, from their third LP uh, from in 2008 called Microcastle. They formed in 2001, and their band name uh, was just randomly chosen by their drummer at the time. Uh, they didn't really care what the band name was. Uh, they, they just needed a name, so the, you know, that may have been the first thing he came up with. Maybe he was watching the movie Deer Hunt or something, I don't know. Uh, but they just thought this was going to be a temporary thing, uh, so they said, yeah, let's use this name, and you know, you know, 
it's not going to last anyway. We're just we're just kind of fooling around here. Uh, this was their first LP uh, to appear on the American Music Charts. Uh, they recorded the the whole LP in a week, and uh, <clears throat> ended up releasing a bonus collection of songs at the same time, called Weird Era. Uh, I don't know continuation or continued something like that. C O N T period. Uh, the the reason they did that was the Michael Castle al- Michael Castle album uh, was leaked early online, uh, so uh, they wanted to surprise they wanted to keep the element of surprise with their fans, uh, especially with the folks that had been waiting around for the former release of Michael Castle. So they came up with this thing to uh, release uh, to coincide with the release of Michael Castle to keep that element of surprise with their fans. Uh, they, uh, their last new music was back in 2018, so uh, we're, we're likely due to hear something from uh, Deer Hunter in the near future, so keep a lookout, and, uh, you know, great track there. After that, to close out the segment, we heard the group Japan out of the UK and their song Quiet Life from their third LP, also called Quiet Life, in 1979. Uh, they formed in 1974. They were inspired uh, by the glam rock movement, and uh, they developed their sound to incorporate uh, electronic music and foreign influences. If you hear any of their other music, they have a lot of uh, foreign influences in the, the music that they put out. Uh, it's great stuff. Uh, they made their first public appearance at uh, their bassist, uh, Mick Carn's brother's wedding. So they were wedding singers there for a little while. Uh, they cho- Again, uh, they chose Japan as their band name, as a temporary name. Until they could think of something else, they needed a name, so they came. They, you know, they just threw Japan out there, uh, and of course, they never took the time to think of something else. Japan stuck, and and that was the end name of the band, right, wrong, or indifferent. Uh, they got a record deal after coming in second in a talent contest uh, staged by a record company. Uh, they lost out in the talent contest to the Cure, so you know uh, that's not bad. Coming in second to the Cure in a talent contest is a pretty good deal. Um, their initial material was more guitar-based guitar based funk type of music, but they ended up transitioning, like I said, to this glam rock, uh, electro, synth pop kind of stuff. Um, the band parted ways, though, uh, due to uh, tensions between the members, and uh, but the, the unfortunate thing was that it was just as they were starting to uh, achieve some major commercial success. Uh, they released five LPs, the last being in 1981, uh, although they did reform down the road and put out another LP 10 years later in 91, under a, but it was a, under a different band name called Rain Tree Crow. Uh, uh, but uh, there you have it, Japan. Check them out. I really like the I really like the band. They've got a lot of great tunes uh, on their album. So uh, uh, if they're if you like this particular track, uh, be sure and check them out. So there you have it. Segment one. We got through the the namesake, Gene Vincent, and we're going to move right into segment two of the show and something from 1979 by The Beat, but not The Beat you might think of. See you on the other side. Can't go on. 
And there you have it, segment two of our episode 31 of Random Song Encounters. And uh, those five tracks, great tracks and on their own, uh, spanned like seven decades from uh, the 1960s all the way up to 2024. But uh, let's chat about them and uh, see where we came from. Let's start from uh, where, where we just, uh, the song we just heard. Uh, the Stranglers. The Stranglers. <laughs> Out of the UK. And their song, Skin Deep, from their 1984 8th LP, Oral Sculpture. They formed in 1974, uh, and they're the, one of the longest surviving bands to have originated from the UK punk scene. Punk scene. Uh, they started in the punk scene, but have really crossed you know, over into several different genres over their career, from goth to new wave art, you know, as well as, you know, like, say, the punk world. Um, the band started, uh, you know, this guy named Brian Duffy, uh, a.k.a. Jet Black. <laughs> he formed the band uh, on the heels of uh, having his own successful ice cream business, uh, he was successful, he'd made money, and, and he'd always been a, 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 a drummer, an aspiring drummer, and always wanted to be in a band. So he said, hey, I've got some money. I want to try this, bit, this music thing out. I want, to I want to start a band. So he put, some, put the band together, and they would uh, use his ice cream vans <laughs> as tour buses for the band in the early days. Uh, they were originally known uh, as the, the Guildford Strangler, stranglers after an area in the UK, uh, but you know, fortunately, uh, they dropped the Guildford and just went with the Stranglers. Um, the band has released 18 albums under its belt. Uh, last coming a couple years ago, 2021. Unfortunately, founder Jet Black <laughs> died in 2022. Uh, the band, though, does have a 50th anniversary tour planned for this year, 2024. Right now, they only have dates in the UK and Europe. Uh, we'll see if that transitions to something over in the US or elsewhere. But, uh, you know, just a great, great band. They, like I say, they've got uh, music all over the uh, different genres, uh, you know. So you, got, you should be able to find something. This, I love this particular track, but uh, you should be able to find something here that you like from these guys. So uh, check them out, The Stranglers. Prior to that, Something night from 1965. Can't you hear my heartbeat? From Herman's Hermits, out of the UK, uh, from their second LP called Herman's Hermits on Tour. They formed in '64 uh, from two local bands that had disbanded. Uh, some of the members of each of those bands got together, started uh, started Herman's Hermits, fronted by then 15-year-old Peter Noon. Uh, they're one of the most successful acts from the British invasion in the 60s. Uh, for instance, in 1965, uh, they were in the Billboard Top 10 for 24 consecutive weeks uh, with five different singles. Uh, the band name itself, Herman's Hermits, <laughs> comes from the fact uh, that uh, it was said that at the time, uh, Peter Noon uh, resembled Sherman from the Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon segment featuring Mr. Peabody and Sherman. So check that out uh, and see if, in fact, uh, you can see the resemblance there. They shortened uh, Sherman to Herman and uh, came up with Herman's Hermits 
uh, rhyme so well. Uh, Peter Noon left the group in 1971 after it, they had uh, recorded seven LPs. The band continued to perform for a time under a different name and reformed on a couple occasions to do uh, like a British invasion tour or something of that sort. But, uh, you know, I think Peter Noon's even still out there uh, uh, doing those oldies uh, tours uh, uh, and playing the, playing the old Herman, Herman's Hermits tunes. There you have it, Herman's Hermits. After that, we heard something brand spanking new from 2024, uh, a non-album single from a group called the Charlie Colas Band, their song Diana. Uh, the band was born out of a country songwriting project that began in t 2014. Uh, three songwriters, Charlie Colas, Ray Van Rahoy, and Ernie Petito, put together over two albums worth of songs in the you know putting uh, you know writing together and collaborating uh, they've been described as a urban country rock band with, with with music again crosses over into several genres this one in particular uh, you know it's a alt kind of an alt rock tune uh, got the synthesizer going in the background uh, but um, you know they describe their own music as kind of down to earth and fun and uh, sometimes, sometimes, not very often, it could be a little serious. Uh, they've released several singles uh, to date, uh, but this, again, is uh, their most recent, just, uh, just uh, this year. No album releases so far, uh, so we'll see uh, what happens with the band if they uh, decide to put out an album or they just keep throwing the singles out there uh, in between whatever they're doing uh, otherwise in other projects so keep an eye out for them uh, up and comers uh, Charlie Cullis band prior to that we heard The Mission or as they're known in the United States The Mission UK Paradise Will Shine Like a Moon is the song off their third LP called Carved in Sand from 1990 um, like I said they're known in the US as The Mission UK they formed in 86 and were originally known as The Sisterhood because the two original members who formed the band uh, had just came from uh, or left the, the group, the Sisters of Mercy. Uh, they were forced to drop the name, though, uh, Sisterhood, when uh, the Sisters of Mercy frontman, Andrew Eldritch, uh, decided to claim it and release a single under the name Sisterhood. So uh, he got in there first and got a, put a record out and, and stole the name from them. Uh, the band then decided to, to go with the mission. Uh, they ended up referring to the front, their front man, Wayne Hussey's upbringing as a Mormon missionary. Uh, it was found later uh, that the band, uh, there was a U.S. band out there that had claimed the mission. Uh, so they had to uh, uh, change their name for U.S. releases to the Mission UK. Uh, confusing, but, you know, they made it work. Uh, the last new music uh, from that from this band uh, was released in 2016, uh, but they have uh, continued to tour. They were out touring uh, just last year in 2023, so they're still out there, uh, at least uh, you know touring around, playing their music. Uh, great track here, Paradise Will Shine Like the Moon. Got some other really great tunes out there. Uh, so uh, I really like this one. Starts out with that kind of acoustic groove, and then kicks in halfway through 
and then finishes back on the acoustic end. So a great track from them. Uh, so check them out, The Mission or The Mission UK. Prior to that, at the beginning of the segment, we heard You Won't Be Happy by The Beat, but not The Beat out of the UK. It's The Beat from Los Angeles. Uh, their 1979 LP, also called The Beat, which was their debut. Uh, not to be confused, as I mentioned, with the English Beat. Uh, these guys were formed in, in 1979, and they were originally called The Breakaways. Uh, and one of their members was Peter Case, uh, famous solo artist, and also was the, uh, um, you know, left to form the, the group the Plimsolls who were popular in the in the 80s. Uh, he was with the group and, and still uh, around just before uh, they changed their name and put out their first LP. Uh, uh, he left to, to go and start the, the Plimsolls actually. Uh, they officially became the beat. Uh, they were one, another one of these deals there after an interview and uh, the interviewer pressed them to come up with a group name. Uh, to promote a single release, so they, they came up with the beat, and off they went. Um, they were able to get a record deal as a result of a relationship they had with Eddie Money. Uh, and so uh, he helped them get in with the record company and get a deal, uh, which led to the release of this debut LP. Uh, unfortunately, in the UK, uh, as I mentioned, the, the British ska band, the, the beat, or the English beat, were the first to establish themselves uh, and put a recording out. So uh, for UK releases, the band decided to change their name to Paul Collins Beat. Paul Collins is the front man, leader of the group. Uh, but in the US, it was the, the other way around. Uh, the Collins group was the first to release music in the United States, and so they were able to retain the name The Beat for US releases. So the Beat UK group, that's how they their name became the English Beat in the United States. They had to ch they had to insert English into their title for United States or U.S. releases. Coincidentally, in 2012, the two Beat bands decided to tour together. Uh, they put they put together a tour called the Two Beats Harding as One Tour, and uh, they toured together. They they had kept in touch because of the the names uh, Dave Wakeling. Uh, from the English beat and Paul Collins had stay, stayed in touch and said, hey, this might be fun, let's, let's put this tour together, which they did. They released their last LP in 1989 before disbanding, although a new version of the band um, reformed and cut a couple of, of LPs in the early 2000s. But uh, great track, You Won't Be Happy from the beat. Kind of a one-hit wonder group, but uh, there you have it. Segment two, episode 31 in the books, and we're going to shift gears, and um, play something from the 1990s. Hopefully you've heard of these guys, but uh, we'll talk about it later. See you on the other side.
You can run, but you can't hide. Random song encounters is going to get you. <laughs> All right, segment three to close out the episode. Five fantastic tracks there. Sorry we shored you that time. We only were able to hit five centuries or five decades, five centuries. That'd be a little long. That'd be a stretch. Five decades uh, with those particular five tunes. But uh, let's go back to the beginning. As usual, start off with Blur uh, out of the UK. Uh, Their song, There's No Other Way, from their debut LP, Leisure, in 1991. They formed in 1988. Uh, Frontman Damon Albarn had started a group called Circus, and they first performed live in 1989. Uh, The following year, they signed a record deal. And the only concern from the record company was that was the band name. They didn't like the band name Circus, uh, so they were given a short list of names, uh, as you, <laughs> as has happened. When we've talked about here and there, uh, and one of those names included Blur, and uh, they decided to go with that one, and uh, off they went into superstardom. Uh, the band has taken a, a couple of great breaks throughout its career. To work on side projects, you know, uh, more, most famously, Graham Coxon released a, several solo LPs, and then Damon Albarn uh, with the Gorillas Project, uh, both of which we played uh, uh, in different episodes on Random Song Encounters. So uh, Graham Coxon, maybe you've not heard so much about, but he's he's got some great work, and everybody knows Gorillas. So um, they've released nine LPs as Blur. To date, uh, last coming just last year, called the Ballad of Darren. Uh, they're actually scheduled to perform uh, in a couple of months at Coachella this year again. Uh, if you're still into, you know, Coachella, uh, it's lost a little bit of its luster in the last, you know, five years or so. Uh, call it Kidchella, because uh, you know the whole change in the vibe and the musical direction that the Golden Voice folks have decided to take. Uh, with the uh, festival uh, it's just lost a lot of its luster uh, uh, from what it was originally based on uh, I was able actually able to catch uh, Blur the last time when they were at Coachella which was uh, uh, like at least 10, 10 years ago in 2013 uh, and then uh, but the festival's kind of really like I said lost its luster and at least for me uh, uh, and hasn't really been the same since about 2016. But hey, Blur's still out there. Check them out. Love the band. Uh, that was a, a really early track, but they've got a lot, a lot of music to, uh, to uh, in their catalog. After that, Van the Man, Van the Man Morrison uh, from Ireland. His 1972 sixth LP, Saint Dominic's Preview, and the tune there, Jackie Wilson said. Van was exposed to multiple genres of music early on in his life. Uh, There's his father's record, uh, huge record collection. Uh, He himself uh, learned to play guitar, piano, saxophone, harmonica, and and other instruments. So, uh, you know, a multi-instrumentalist in his own right. Uh, He played in several bands starting at around the age of 13. but he's most notably identified in the uh, with the band that as a frontman for the band Them, from 1964 to 1966. After that, uh, after they broke up, after several hits, 
his solo career took off uh, the next year in like 1967 uh, with the release of his first LP, which included what's known as his signature song, uh, Brown Eyed Girl. Everybody's heard that one. Uh, The album was Van's highest charting for like 36 years until his 2008 release, uh, Keep It Simple. Uh, This particular track, Jackie Wilson said, uh, was something they had to to get out there. They didn't have a whole lot of time to record the track. Uh, They were running out of time in the recording uh, studio, and they had to re-record, or not re-record, but rewrite uh, several of the parts frequently. Uh, But by the time they sat down to, uh, to record the track, they got it right the first time. Doesn't happen very often, but the first take of this particular track is the recording that was used for the album. Uh, the, the song itself draws from, you know, pop, R&B, jazz, and blues, and was in fact by the name inspired by uh, Jackie Wilson from a song he had uh, sang called "Reet Petite." Uh, so if you li- if you check that song out, you hear it, uh, and, and then you know. Um, Van Morrison kind of took, you know, Jackie Wilson said he's kind of referencing uh, this particular song, Repetite. Uh, Van Morrison, solo career. I mean, the guy's still out there making great music. He's released 45 LPs in a 56-year solo career, with the last coming out just three months ago, like in November. Uh, and he's starting tour. Uh, he's already started touring uh, in support of its... Uh, uh, of this new LP, and I think he's uh, just starting. If hasn't, if he hasn't just started, he will be in the next next month uh, touring in the U.S. in support. Um, after that, "Dawn of the Dead" was the name of the track from the group. Does it offend you? Yeah, uh, from the U.K. Uh, off their 2008 debut LP called "You Have No Idea What You're Getting Yourself Into." They formed in 2006. Um, their name was taken from a quote by Ricky Gervais, the comedian, uh, when he was in a part of a BBC television series called The Office, which then became The Office uh, that everybody knows and loves, uh, the United States version. Uh, they needed a band name. to. They were put, setting up a profile on MySpace and the Internet. Uh, and so uh, to come up with a band name, they said, well, let's turn on the TV and... Uh, you know, whatever comes up first, that's what we, we will use. That's exactly what they did. The office was on. Ricky Gervais uh, made, you know, made the reference. Does it offend you? Yeah, you know, something to do with his drinking or something like that. And that's what they used for the band name. Uh, this song is their most successful single to date. And the band actually announced a final show as though they were going dis- to disband. Uh, uh, in December of 2015, uh, after only two LP releases. But since then, they played another show in 2021, and they've teased new music from an album to be called uh, We Do Our Own Stunts. So uh, they pre- did premiere a single uh, a year and a half or so ago, 2022, but uh, they haven't uh, put out that mystical, magical album yet. So uh, uh, we're waiting for... Uh, does it offend you? Yeah, to come out with uh, something new and exciting. So check them out. After that, the American Breed is the band we heard from Chicago and their song "Bend Me, Shape Me" 
from their 1968 second LP, also called Then Me Shade Me. Uh, they were originally known as <laughs> Gary and the Nightlights. Great name. Uh, and they formed uh, in 1961. Uh, they got their big break, break as, as a result of a freak snowstorm in Chicago in 1967. It changed the whole fate of the band. Um, there was a huge snowstorm in Chicago, and the head of Mercury Records happened to be in town and was stranded. Couldn't get, couldn't get a plane, couldn't get out of town. So we ended up hanging out at the, at the recording studio, uh, and uh, he heard, you know, the American Breed. He heard a demo tape while he was sitting around, just you know, nothing else to do, um, waiting for the storm to clear. He was impressed and ended up signing him up to a contract. Uh, although, again, they were asked to change their name wisely, uh, uh, and so as so often does happens, uh, everybody threw a bunch of names in the hat. And they drew American Breed uh, from the bunch, so there you have it. The song and the album are the highest charting in the band, but the uh, the song itself isn't one of their own. It's a cover song uh, by from 1966 by The Outsiders, who we played uh, here on the, on the uh, uh, podcast as well early on in, in one of the early episodes. Um, the The Outsiders track though is is a lot more is a is a little slower and more soulful. Uh, than this one. They, they picked up the, the tempo on this particular track and, and gave it a little more rockin' uh, pop uh, bass. Uh, the band released two LPs before disbanding in 1970. They did reunite, reunite uh, at one point in time uh, a few years later and put out one last LP in 1986. So um, short-lived. Uh, I don't know if they had, I don't know that they had any other real big hits, but uh, that was, that was the high, pretty much the highlight of their career, Ben Me Shape Me. After that, to close out the show, we, of course, everybody knows A Flock of Seagulls out of the U.K. from their 1982 debut LP called Flock of Seagulls, their song You Can Run. They formed in 1979. Uh, One of the original members, uh, Mike Score, who's the lead singer, uh, front man, was a hairdresser. And, uh, you know, he... He uh, wanted to want to start a band, <laughs> looking for something else to do. He bought a Korg synthesizer and uh, asked a couple of friends if they wanted to, you know, jump in and start a band. And, you know, a couple of them had never played instruments before, so it was a process. But uh, off they went. They eventually, down the road, got a record deal uh, after playing the local club circuit. And uh, as a matter of fact, their first two singles were produced by a guy named uh, Bill Nelson, uh, who's a uh, a great, great artist in his own right, both uh, solo and uh, the band that, whose whose name escapes me right now, but uh, I, I let, just love the band. Uh, this LP is also uh, produced in part by Nelson and is their highest charting LP in the United States. Uh, this particular song wasn't released as a single. I think they released four singles. You know, Iran is the biggest... Uh, their biggest hit, I think, and that was on this this album. Telecommunication, I think, is also on this album. That was one of the first two singles that they put out that Bill Nelson uh, worked with them on. Uh, this album wasn't a single, but I, I, just, I mean, this track wasn't a single, but I, I really love this track as, as much as any of the singles that they put out. So, uh, uh, and the, the band is, uh, you know, uh, it's a little darker. Uh, of a song, then a lot of their songs songs are a little more upbeat, but uh, 
like this one just as, just as much. Uh, the band dissolved in 1986 after four LPs. Uh, they since reunited and released a couple of additional LPs, the last being in 2021, which was like an orchestral album, which they took some of their old uh, hits from different albums and, and, and put out orchestral versions uh, with an orchestra in Europe somewhere. Uh, they're actually out there ready to tour. Uh, they're going to tour the U.S. Uh, starting in March uh, through maybe August or so. So Flock of Seagulls, check them out. Great, great band, great 80s band, uh, a lot of fun. And there you have it. Episode 31 is all over but the shouting. Uh, so let's close this thing out. All right, episode 31, GV Plays GV. Uh, That was fun, playing the namesake Gene Vincent track right at the beginning of the episode. Uh, Thank you for joining us for episode 31 of Rapid Song Encounters. Uh, As usual, we appreciate all the new listeners, all the old listeners, and everyone in between. Um, You know, uh, we're looking for more. Bring us... Bring us your will to women and children first, and uh, you know whoever else you can drag along. Uh, uh, you know, join us in the show. We're having a lot of fun here, and hope you enjoy it as well. And uh, let's do it again next week, episode thirty-two. Uh, in the meantime, uh, thank you for joining us, and remember, keep sharing the good stuff. Bye for now.